Have you guys heard the new theme music? I love it. And I'm so thankful that it was originally created for us by the legendary Caleb Stan. If you haven't heard me talk about Caleb before, he's my podcast producer, he's my friend, he's my ministry partner, and I'm so thankful for the work he's put into this podcast music. If you need help with your podcast, need help leading worship, need help with audio extravaganza, go check out Stanton Creative. The link's in the show notes. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony, and I'm your host. With over a decade in the local church, I want to help you move closer to Jesus through word and deed. So I hope that this conversation is uplifting to you. If it is, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button everywhere you listen to podcasts, leave a rating or review on the platform that is easiest for you. And the highest compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you'd know that needs to hear about some hope, about the real presence of God, because that's what today's story is all about. Mike Kinney is an author and a speaker, and he's a survivor. He's a man who cares about hope. His life was saved by God from the flames for a unique purpose, and his latest resource, Out of the Fire, invites readers to live out the purpose God has for their lives. So I think you're really going to love this conversation. He's got a great voice. It's something that I know many of us need to hear, especially if you're going through something. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Mike Kinney. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to be here with um, entrepreneur, author, speaker, worship leader, Mike Kinney. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thanks for having me. So um, I always love to kind of start out, we're going to jump into your story real quickly because it's a big story that has a lot of kind of twists and turns and it's it's all about your, um, it's, it's all told in your latest resource out of the fire. Um, but before we jump into that, I'd like to start by asking people, how would you define the calling that God has placed on your life? Oh, I love that question. Um, you know, it's only recently become clear. I feel like over the years, uh, that's part of the reason I wrote the book was I was trying to figure out what my purpose was and if I could even, uh, if I could even live up to the purpose and the calling God had on my life. And so I put quite a bit of pressure on myself. Uh, I guess I would define my the purpose that uh, I feel like God has placed on my life as uh, one that is just uh, sharing my story with other people in, in hopes to that the right people in the right place hear it. And uh, those that are broken and hurting and lost and feel like they're all alone and that maybe they felt abandoned or uh, they've been through trauma uh, and they're just kind of scratching their head or wondering where's God in the middle of my story. Uh, hopefully they hear they hear about my story and they realize uh, that Jesus has been with them all along. And, uh, and so that's the, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, that, that, no, that's be, great. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's beautifully said. Um, and, and one of the words that you used in there that, that really stuck out to me and maybe it stuck out to someone else too, is the word trauma. Now your trauma as in a moment we'll, we'll jump into 
um, was very easily defined. But I think that there's um, there's more trauma in the world that we live in today, maybe than ever I've seen in my lifetime. How would you define what trauma is? How, how do we know if we've had a traumatic experience? Man, uh, there there are layers to it. I mean, trauma like an injury trauma, right? And uh, certainly I had that with the burns and uh, the scarring. Uh, but then there's there's emotional trauma. Yeah, physical, emotional trauma. Uh, and for me, the trauma was, uh, in some ways, you know, uh, it was, uh, I mean, it was mental, it was emotional. Uh, I wouldn't call it, it wasn't spiritual trauma, but it was uh, trying to sort through what just happened to me and what does this mean, you know, for the rest of my life? What am I supposed to do with this? Mm. And uh you know, it's traumatic being a teenager and, you know, having all these questions that a teenager is going to have uh, about what am I supposed to do? I was going into my senior year of high school when the accident happened and was kind of, you know, trying to uh, f- figure out what God had for me, but uh, who I was and where I was accepted. Uh, and I, I started to find that in leading worship and, uh, you know, through accolades from not just my parents, but other people in in uh, my community, I was thinking, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And started leading worship for two or 300 kids every weekend. And at that point in time, that's all I could see is that's what my purpose was. So after the accident, yeah. it was like I had all these limitations I started facing because I had this uh, severe brain injury. And it was like, OK, what in the world am I going to do? And what's my purpose and that felt a little traumatic, you know, mm. uh, when you just feel like something's kind of ripped away from you or or you're kind of just lost in this haze. And that's where I felt uh, that I was. L- let's let's jump into the, a little bit of the story. You're in your senior year of or going into your senior year of high school. I, I think I read 17 at the time. Yeah. And um can you can you kind of take us through that night? What what happened? Sure, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So this would have been about twenty years ago that the accident happened. And second day of my senior year in high school, I had been uh, swimming five hours a day, so I was pretty tired. And uh, but was going to be hanging out with my good friend Matt Blickendorf, and uh, you know we we had all these plans. Uh, we changed them to be able to spend some time together at his parents' lake house. And on the way to the lake house, I fell asleep at the wheel. We were going about 55 Mm. miles an hour. Uh, Matt was driving in front of me. And even though the dimmer was set on his rearview mirror, he saw my lights kind of moving back and forth across the road and, you know, off the road through a hollow tree and into a telephone pole. And, uh, you know, everything collapsed on top of my legs. I was trapped in the truck. And by the time he got to it, uh, it was it was on fire. I had a cloth interior, so that the flames were spreading pretty quickly. And uh, so this this kind of journey began for Matt in that moment where he was all alone with me on this dark country highway and uh, pulled on me for probably five uh, or so minutes before finally he saw a car coming down this dark country road and left me hanging from the truck. Uh, 
I had shattered the left side of my face, my eye socket, my, my eye apparently was hanging out of its socket. And, uh, he didn't know if I was alive or dead uh, at this point. Wow. And, uh, so anyhow, he went to the road to try to wave this guy down and the, the, the driver slowed down and just then zoomed past him. And he's like, oh. he's gotta be kidding me, you know, like, and so he's praying, he's shouting out to God and, uh, comes back to the truck and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I just can't imagine being in that moment that he was in. Uh, but, uh, we've all been, we've all been in those types of situations before where it just seems like everything's hopeless. Uh, we're helpless. There's nothing we can do. And that's where Matt found himself. So that's how the story begins. Yeah. I, so I, I'm curious, uh, What's your relationship with Matt like today? Or how's he how's he feel about this book coming out and him being? I mean, obviously, you're he's a crucial part of your story. Yeah. Um. You know, and 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 I would imagine now he, you're a crucial part of his. Yeah. Um. You probably were before. I don't want to undermine the friendship, but you you have a moment like that, and it it changes everything. What's it What's it been like for you two since then? Yeah, Matt and I are bonded together for life. Um. You know, through what what happened, and we were already friends, but of course, over the last 20 years, uh, we've, we've grown, uh, grown up together and now we, we each have kids and, uh, you know, I've got all the respect in the world for Matt. Uh, he was the, he was the guy that God wanted to be with me that night. Uh, Matt's a special guy. Not everybody, you know, s- stands by their friend and in front of a burning truck that could have blown up for, uh, five or six minutes. And he just wasn't willing to give up on me. Uh, and now I have three beautiful kids. Uh, th- those kids are, they wouldn't be here if it weren't for Matt. And so, uh, you know, Matt's had his own story, his own uh, journey that he's taken uh, with, with he and, and his family. And, you know, just time and again, God has shown himself to be faithful to Matt uh, and his family doesn't mean it's been easy for him, but, uh, man, we've just been able to share life together. It's, he's a great friend to have. You know, I, I imagine that one of the things that could be challenging for you in this position is how, how do you ever say enough thank yous to a guy who stood in front of a burning truck for you? How have you reconciled that assuming that you have, and maybe that's the wrong assumption, but like, how, how do you deal with the fact that's like, Oh, I owe my entire life and my kid's existence to this guy. And, yeah. uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know why, but for some reason I have some anxiety about like, man, how do you ever think Matt, what kind of car do you get for him? Is there right. a hallmark section of, Hey, you saved my life. Thanks for not letting me die on the side of a road alone. Right. Right. That's uh, that's funny. I, I probably felt like that more so when I was younger, uh, you know, each year, probably on August 16th, which is when the accident happened, I'll send a text to him, you know, and, uh, you, you can't say thank you enough because as I go through mm-hmm. my life and, uh, you know, each new day, each new blessing, you know, I can still circle back to Matt and say, man, look at what God's doing, you know, and, and none of this happens. Uh, and who knows where Matt would be, you know, if, if things had been different that night, you know, and, uh, I mean, we both, we both may not have made it out of there. Uh, and yeah, so it wasn't just my life, uh, in the balance, but Matt's life as well. And so we both are thankful and Matt's kind of let me off the hook with that. I mean, he's always told me, look, you know, he's like, if it had been me and you, or, you know, if it had been me in the crash, you would have done the same thing. And, and, 
that's always been his his attitude and and he's right and you hope that you would do that but I'm telling you in that situation Matt had incredible courage and faith and uh, he was the right guy uh, that God wanted to use in that moment. So um, how does the story progress from there? Because while while you're in care, a lot of like, like the, the, the truck would have been crazy enough, but a whole lot of things happened. Take us through the next part. Yeah. So, uh, the next part of the accident scene uh, in particular. Yeah. So uh, it's really incredible uh, for me to share this story. I feel like is not totally fair because Matt uh, lived it, experienced it. And so, uh, so I wrote a book about it instead, but I'll, I'll try to share what happened. Uh, you know, in that, <laughs> that's it, that's it. In that moment uh, that we were by ourselves, this stranger, uh, that drove past Matt comes back to the accident scene running through these woods. And he's like, get away from the truck. It's going to blow up. What are you doing? And they argue for like a minute back and forth. And, uh, finally, which has to feel like an eternity, right? Like a minute while the truck's on fire and your friends hanging out with his face, basically dismembered. Right. right. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I mean a, just, a minute's the, a very, just the trauma has got to be like real at this very point. long time. And Matt was just, he was in the zone and he was focused and he said like, I'm not leaving. This is my brother. I'm not leaving him in the truck. I need your help. And finally the guy came over the flames at this point were like 15 feet up a wooden pole. And we actually wow. had video footage of this from when the, the fire trucks came. I mean, it's just crazy. You can hear the back and forth between the officer and Matt. And I, you can even hear the stranger, uh, it's absolutely crazy. Um, and so you don't get to hear everything, but you hear enough to, to know what the intensity of that moment was. And so finally they, they pull me out on three, uh, and uh, my legs fall out of the truck. Matt apparently takes his shirt off to beat the fire off of my legs, uh, my hands. And, uh, and then, uh, this stranger that helped him was kind of running circles around the truck. And then he just, kind of disappeared. We don't know why, uh, but disappears from the scene of the accident. And, uh, and so wow. it's just Matt and I in this field and Matt is, he's been calling out Jesus's name like the whole time. You know, we had just led worship for the youth group, uh, sure. services at our church. And, uh, my guitar is burning in the back of the truck uh, at this very mm. moment. And, um, so Matt's calling out to Jesus. He's got, you know, he had already felt like there was an angelic presence in the passenger seat because everything was on fire, but there was just this one little clearing in the passenger seat. And that, that was comforting to Matt. He felt like there was an angel that was there and that was giving him hope as he tried to pull me out. And uh, so anyway, we're, we're in the field. He's kneeled down next to me and he sees Jesus coming up out of the corner of his eye, uh, walking slowly, like not in a hurry at all. Uh, he's got like, you know, he describes it as like a, wearing a button down shirt. He's got a black doctor's bag. And he, he said he, he, it, he walks up, you know, and kneels down across from Matt. And he, he, the way he describes it is that he's like, you know, if you're in the room with somebody and you turn the lights off and it's like, and it's completely dark the person's still there. Like it, you, they're almost so real. You can reach out mm. and touch them. And he said, that's the way this yeah. moment felt. And he said, it was like he, he, uh, Jesus like 
like lifted up his head, looked at him and said, like, Mike, you know, Mike's going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You know, and he and Matt's convinced to this day that the Lord was performing miracles on me in that moment in the field. Let can we can we jump in on some? Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to call them theological discussions, sure. but just some Jesus talk, right? Love like, uh, listen, I I really believe, and the, my friends who listen all the time, they know that I'm I believe in the real presence of Jesus. Every like that, it's there for us. Yes. Uh, but I also know that there's somebody listening who's been through some tough stuff, right? Maybe not pulling out of a burning truck. H- how do you reconcile the theology that you and and Matt got a visit from Jesus and a lot of people don't? Yeah. You know, that's something I wrestled with after the accident um, was why doesn't everybody make it out of their burning trucks? And uh Yeah. And that's a very, that was a very uh, honest question that I had. And, um, you know, the only thing that I can say is that I was unconscious. I had a brain injury. I, I didn't see Jesus come up and heal me. Hmm. Uh, That's a story that I've always heard. And it's the same story. Matt's never changed. Uh, He's not a weird spiritual guy. Uh, his story has never changed in 20 years. He, he knows, wow. he knows what happened. He knows what he saw. He's a man of faith. And, uh, he called on Jesus name and Jesus showed up for him in that moment. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I can say is that for me, I went through the hospital experience and not too long after that, uh, I think shortly after I maybe had come home from the hospital, I asked my parents if I could go see the truck in the junkyard because I'm wrestling with like, okay, I've Matt's now shared with me what happened in the field, but I'm like, I'm like, was, was he there with me? Was he really there with me? And uh, so a really cool moment was as we're at the accident scene, everybody, we're looking at the wreckage, everything is burnt up. Uh, you know, we're taking pictures and uh, Matt is just kind of like humming to try to soothe himself, you know, because he's working through trauma in that moment. Sure. Yeah, and, of but, course. I'm, but I'm searching for Jesus in that moment. I'm like, where were you really there? And so I reach, I look inside the truck and right in the middle of this steering wheel that uh, was bent up, uh, it was bent up and should have severed my leg. It, it, it didn't. It went right to the side of it. In the center of the steering wheel, two pieces of metal had welded together in the shape of a cross in the center of this steering wheel. And I took a picture of that and have looked at it like I can't even tell you how many times over the last 20 years. And it was like in that moment, Jesus was reassuring me that he was with me too. Dang. Wow. Man, I got all the feels. Uh You know, that's it's such an interesting process of of showing back up and looking for affirmation. H- how did your faith change? And we're we're gonna kinda jump all around yeah. your story a little bit. I'm sorry in advance. No, it's uh, good. How, how does your faith change because of that welded cross? Because of I mean, 
you know, by all accounts, right. You, you had burns on like over 30% of your body, mm-hmm. right. Your, your body's pretty jacked up right now. And, and this, this moment where you are at the accident scene, this is not that far removed from the actual accident. How, how much time are we talking from? No more than probably the, I'd say three months or so after the accident. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, in, in a lifetime, that's, you know, that's a nothing. That's mm-hmm. a blink, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does, l- let me ask the question in a better way, because that last question was not very succinct, but h- how does your faith change the rest of the journey of rehab because of that moment where you went back and confirmed that Jesus was there? There's just something about looking for Jesus you know, searching for Jesus in the middle of our pain and our, and our brokenness. And it's not always clear. Uh, in fact, uh, I went through a three month process in the hospital of, of burn recovery and multiple surgeries and skin grafts and pulling staples out of my, my skin that was pretty tender at the, at the, that time. I was asking those questions then and, and I hadn't seen anything yet, you know, but I, wow. I was trying yeah. to, I knew what I believed, you know, I knew who I put my hope and my faith in and I kept looking for Jesus. And so when I, when I saw that cross in the center of that steering wheel, I think it was just confirmation of what I already believed. I knew he was with me, um, not just because of what Matt had said, you know, I believed uh, songs that I would hear when I was laying in the hospital bed that literally felt like he was speaking to me through the song. You know, um, you know, uh, I saw we saw Jesus through people that came in uh, from the church and gave food and friends and family. I mean, you could see him anywhere. It's it's uh, it's how open are you to seeing him in the middle of your trauma? You know, and um, and so I'm not saying it's easy, though. It's not like and I like what you said. It's there's people that are dealing with some really serious stuff, some real deep pain. And um, but Jesus is still there. I mean, no matter how deep the pain is, Jesus is still there. Uh, And. So uh, I kept looking after I saw that cross, I kept again, kind of wrestling with that question of why doesn't everybody make it out of their burning trucks? And right before I was going to give, kind of share my testimony in front of my high school with Matt, there was a news article that I read titled, God isn't sovereign over all events, which Mm. doesn't, you know, doesn't sound like, uh, you know, uh, the, the God, a lot of people want to follow. Right. But the, the, the article was talking about how, God's not uh, God's not responsible for someone that that uh, you know preys on the weak or uh, you know some of the injustices that happen uh, to all of us. You know, God is and Jesus came to fight the darkness. That this is what was in this article. And when the darkness fights back, He lays down His life on the cross. You know, and so I think so, sometimes we just we want to look to God for everything and get angry at him for a situation. 
but the point of this article was Jesus suffers with us when we're suffering. Mm. You know, it's, it's, he's not distant from our suffering. He, uh, he is right there with us. And, you know, one day we get to find complete wholeness uh, in, in heaven, you know, and it's, he didn't promise us that this life was going to be easy or without heartache or hardship. Uh, he, he, but he did promise us that he will be with us. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Mike to remind you about Spirit and Truth. Spirit and Truth is the 501c3 ministry that makes this podcast possible. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing that you can do outside of sharing this episode with a friend is donating to the work that God is doing at Spirit and Truth. We're a Wesleyan equipping ministry. We walk alongside churches and pastors, helping them live out the Great Commission. For more information, to get connected or to give, go to spiritandtruth.life. So post-accident, post-encounter with Jesus, um, what, what does... What does the next season of life look like for you? Because it, you got to talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, things obviously have to change in your life. Mm-hmm. What what happens next in the story? So uh, what happens next is I began a journey to try to understand what my purpose was and what why the accident happened to me. And, uh, and it was a long journey. Uh, because the brain injury was pretty severe and it's like these things were unfolding uh, over not months and days they were unfolding over years and so uh, you know I did the best that I could Uh, I kept the faith you know when it was pretty hard at times Uh, but uh, that what happens next is I have a dream in 2000 and let's see 2003, so about a year after the accident in 2002, and it's of this fully functional capo that uh, lets you, a, a capo, for people that don't play music, uh, is, is something that a guitarist will slap on the neck of their guitar, and what it allows you to do is if a song is too low to sing, you put that capo on the second fret, there's frets along a guitar neck, you put it on the second fret or third fret, and now all of a sudden you can use the same chord shapes for the guitarist, but now I can sing the melody because it's higher. Well, that's what a normal capo does. And at that time, guitarists were using, uh, both secular and Christian artists were using something called the shortcut capo that would hit strings number two, three, and four out of the six guitar strings. And what that would allow you to do is have more open string tuning. Um, you could do alternate tunings and and that can be fun, you know, for musicians. Uh, and for me, I play music by ear. And so, mm. uh, you know, the area of my brain that was impacted should have impacted my ability to play music. But because of the way God made me and, and wired my brain, uh, I, I was still able to play after the accident. And anyhow, this capo, I was playing with two capos, the, a full capo and a shortcut capo in a band in college. And my roommate said, why don't you just learn how to play the capo like everybody else? But for me, you know, chord shapes were a little bit harder after the accident. Um, my motor skills were uh, not the greatest and they were getting better, but it just still wasn't easy. And I played by ear and that's something I kind of felt like confident in. And so anyway, I had this dream about this fully functional capo that I didn't mm. know that it existed. I hadn't seen anything like it. It would allow you to push down like a, 
retractable button pushed down a foot over each of the individual strings. So this was 2003, right after that, to kind of progress through the story, I find out I have narcolepsy in 2004. I have another car accident wow. in, uh, on August 16th, the same exact day that I had Stop had the accident uh, two years prior. I have another accident at 55 miles an hour uh, in the middle of the afternoon. And uh, fortunately, the, I hit the guy in front of me, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, hit the guy in front of me going 50 miles an hour. So the accident wasn't that bad, but we went and I got tested and find out I have narcolepsy. So then it's like back mm. to square one. It's just another limitation that I'm facing and um, took years to kind of figure out the right medication for me to take and uh, lots of implications to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, so that's kind of how it progressed was I had, uh, I think an important part of the story too, to share, um, not to get off track, but is that in the hospital, I received a guitar from Pete Townsend of The Who. And um, I didn't even know who Pete Townsend was. Apparently, he's like a rock legend. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Well, right, because I, I, you were on Bob and Tom, right? right. They heard about your story on Bob and Tom. The, the, so I'm in Dayton, so we get Bob and Tom in the morning. Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're close enough to where you're at in Indiana. They're an Indiana-based you know, I think they might even be nationally syndicated radio show, Bob and Tom. They are, yeah. They play humorous skits and classic rock. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're not, it's, <laughs> I don't know if they're necessarily doing Christian radio, but like they're, they're good guys. No, they, they no. got a funny show. Uh, <laughs> and they heard about my story because they were collecting guitar picks. Uh, my friends and family were c collecting guitar picks. And so we were like, had a connection with Bob and Tom radio with Tom Griswold. And we said, Hey, would you be willing to talk about this? He does. And I start getting guitar picks from all over the nation. And uh, they reached out to the who in London and said, Hey Pete, would you be willing to send Mike a guitar pick? And he's like, how about I send him a guitar? And so he sends me a Gibson guitar and he signs the body of it in big letters to Mike. This is the Phoenix Pete. And uh, man, that, gave me so much hope and meaning and purpose. I don't know if I could have wrapped my head around it at the time, exactly, you know, what it was, but um, there was people like visiting my hospital room just to see the guitar. So apparently people thought he was a pretty special guy. And um, he wrote me a, a note on his letterhead, you know, said he'd be praying for me. Uh, and this is a stranger to me. I mean, Pete Townsend, I don't know him from Adam and, uh, but I guess I've, I had always hoped over the years, as, as I worked through this brain injury, had the narcolepsy, the capo dream is kind of developing. I had always hoped that maybe there's a way that I could one day meet Pete Townsend, you know, and just mm. say thank you to him. And um, and so anyway, there's there's we, you, you can ask me another question. There's some other things that kind of tie into that story, but it's definitely I felt like the Lord was. Uh, working through those things. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, how do you, um, I mean, cause it did, I, so here's the thing that I just keep wrestling with as I hear your story, right? Mm -hmm. You're 17 years old, right? I have a almost 17 year old. He's a junior. He's uh, as we record this, it's fall. The, the your book's getting ready to come out. Um, but like he, he, he's, he's vibrant. He thinks he's, invincible. He plays multiple sports. I mean, he's, he's probably like you, he's working out four or five hours a day, right? Like he's, he's 17. He loves the Lord, thankfully. And, uh, and yet, uh, I can't imagine 
the emotional roller coaster that you must be on. Um, what? And here's the question. That was a really long setup. Um, but That's good. what did what did you do to prevent yourself from giving up um, or prevent yourself from becoming a, a victim of your circumstances? Because by all accounts, you had every right to. Yeah. You know, I had been leading worship, like I said, for the uh, few years prior to the accident. And I actually took over leadership of the youth group worship for the previous year leading up to the accident. And so I'm setting up the services. I'm making the song order. I'm doing transitions. And these songs that we're singing, it's like the accident happens and it's like, okay, now we're going to really test our faith, you know? And so I think in that moment, what I did was I never stopped leaning into uh, my faith. I never stopped mm. singing those songs. I never stopped believing those words and, and going over them and, you know, speaking them out, singing them out loud. And so I think looking back, I, I probably couldn't have realized it back then, but it's like when we draw close to the Lord, he draws close to us. I mean, it's a relationship, right? Yeah. And good. so I think that's the the key is maybe, again, I don't even know if I knew what I was doing, but it's like in that moment, I I wouldn't let go because I knew it was real. I just knew that I knew that he loved me. I knew that he had a plan and purpose for me and everything I had sang about before the accident. I could still sing about after the accident because he's, Mm. because he's good regardless of my circumstances. Yeah. What an incredible perspective, right? That God's goodness doesn't depend on who I am Mm -hmm. or what's happening in my life. Um, you kind of had this catalytic moment with Pete Townsend. Um, How do you now find yourself giving moments like that away? Right. Cause now you're, you're 20 years post this, Mm -hmm. right. Um, As we record and, and you've encountered a lot, you've seen a lot, you've got kids, you got a beautiful family, like your, your life has, has moved on yet. This moment was so pivotal for you. How, how, if someone's listening, right? How, how do we create Pete Townsend moments for people in our lives today? Any any mm-hmm. thoughts on that? That may not even be a fair yeah, question. Yeah, no, it's that's a great question. I think it's looking at every moment that we live is an opportunity to uh, to to try to live into you know, our purpose and our calling and to share our faith. It's like, I think we all, including myself all the time, just take for granted conversations that we're having. You know, it, it, it's easy when you're having a, a podcast, you know, or, um, you know, but when you're in a drive through line or when you're talking to a customer that comes in at your work, you have like, we have no idea what somebody is going through. Um, and, and what they might be facing in that moment. And uh, uh, so I'm going to use one example from the book and then, and then an example from yesterday. So uh, an example from the book is a gal that sat across from me in chemistry. Her name's Clancy. 
uh, I ended up writing a chapter of the book is called Reaching Clancy. And she, I don't even know how many conversations, uh, you know, we had had, but, um, you know, the accident happens and it's towards the end of that senior year that I'm about to share my testimony. I, I share it. And afterwards she hands me a note the next day and, uh, talks about how she had been through a life-threatening experience where she tried to kill herself. Mm. And she said, hearing your story reminded me that God saved me for a reason. And she said, you know, I feel like God saved you and sent you to save me. And she said, oh, wow. you know, I just, uh, you know, thank you for sharing your story and, and may God always be with you. And mm. I have this note framed now uh, in my barn, it's, uh, it's out there and can't tell you how many times I've looked at it over the years. And what she didn't realize was that maybe my story had impacted her and I'm glad that it did and gave her hope, but she didn't realize that what she did made a dramatic impact, a significant impact in my life when I had some really dark moments myself. And, uh, she doesn't know that, uh, we had a, a, a tragic loss of one of my family members uh, that served in the military. Uh, and, you know, her note gave me so much hope. And so when I reached out to her to ask her if I could, you know, use her name in the book, I said, I don't know if you remember me. This is like, you know, 20 years later. And uh, sure, she's sure. got two beautiful girls like on her, on her, in her pictures and everything. And I'm like, you know, um, I just want you to know this note changed my life. And I sent her a picture of the note and she said she didn't even remember writing it. Wow. And you talk about a note that's that personal, right? I mean, that's talking about a dark moment and sharing her story anyhow. So I just, I love it. And uh, so, and then the story yesterday was I had somebody come into my model home again. I work in new construction and she noticed I had the book out on the table uh, and she said, wait, is that Mike Kinney? Like, is that you? And I was like, yeah, I'm writing a book. And we just got to talking. And I don't know what the conversation meant to her, but she was welling up with tears, just hearing a little bit about the story. And I wasn't trying to do anything special. I was just trying to share. But it's like, <laughs> I feel like that's the, when we look at it through the perspective of like, no, God does have us each here for a purpose. We each have something we can share with somebody. And sometimes it's making them laugh. Sometimes it's uh, you know, talking about something that's a little more serious, you know, but uh, man, each moment is so rich with potential. And I think we just, we can't lose sight of that. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the writing process. I sure. can imagine uh, putting all this down on paper um, was really difficult and, uh, you know, we're, we're a couple of weeks away from this book, like officially being out into the wild. Although, you know, like a lot of us, you know, we have our copies already and like all the stuff. Um, how's your heart in the midst of seeing the most vulnerable, scary moment of your life out there for the world to see? Oh man. I mean, there's, there's some ang anxiousness with it, you know, um, I'm not anxious about sharing my story. Um, I'm anxious about making sure that, uh, 
you know, I, I, I fulfill the purposes God has for me through this book. And I, it's yeah. not something I need to worry about. He's already, he's already got my days numbered and knows the plans he has in front of me. But, um, you know, the writing process itself was uh, challenging, man. I mean, to actually get it all out there and be really honest with yourself. I almost had to relive all of it, you know, not only the accident, yeah. but the, the last 20 years. And uh, you have to grieve. I had to grieve some some things um, and and also maybe for, forgive myself for certain things and uh, and then kind of lean into, Lord, what are you wanting to do through this? And I think that's probably where I'm at now more than anything is just remembering that back in 2000. Uh, 2000, I'm going to go real quick on a 2014 uh, was when I met my wife. I was graduating from Learning RX, which was a cognitive rehab program. So this is 12 hmm. years after the accident. I'm with uh, several eight and 10 year olds uh, in this class. And I'm graduating from this thing, trying to, you know, work through this brain injury. I get married and we, we have our, our, our first uh, child, Jack, in 2016, 2017, we lose um, my cousin and it was just heart wrenching, you know, just to this day. Um, it's, it's a low that uh, I've never experienced in my life. And uh, I just don't think it's a coincidence that in 2018, I got asked to share my testimony on a men's retreat at my church the title of the talk was designed for God's purpose. And I think that mm. like he just has a sense of humor, you know, and as I'm sharing my story with everyone, <laughs> it's on that weekend that I had a vision of myself kneeling down next to Matt um, by my burning truck. And it was wow. like, you know, Matt's got one hand on me and one hand lifted to the sky praying for the Lord to come. And it was like, in that moment, Jesus was like, this is why you're here. You know, you're, I want you to share your story with other people that are lost and hurting and, and need to know that I'm with them. And so that starts the process. I still didn't know what to do. And then six months later, I have somebody come to me and say, Hey, I, I think I'd like to make a movie about your accident. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I feel like the Lord's wanting to do something with it. But the more we talked about it, it felt like it was going to just be about the accident. And I was like, there's so much that happened after the accident that I want people to hear uh, so I went to my pastor at my church and he said, you need to write a book. And, you know, uh, fortunately, he was able to get me connected with the right people to help me with that process. But um, uh, I, I guess that, yeah, just what I was going to say about that journey was it was in 2018 that while I was preparing for that talk, I'm leaning, I'm reading Purpose Driven Life. I'm in the Word every sure. day. I'm like, I'm drawing closer. And wouldn't you know that the Lord was speaking to me? in those moments. Right. And it's mm. like, it's, it's not fake. It's real. It's like when we, and so um, I think that's where I'm at now is it's like, okay, God, what, what do you have for me? What do you have for this book? And, and um, you know, it's like, it's just a reminder that God wants to walk each day with us, every moment with us. And, um, he is with us, even if we don't see him or know he's there. He's there, and if we just draw close to him, he he will show us uh, what he has for us. So that's where I'm at now. That's so good, so good. 
Um, okay. I have one more question for you. Uh, but before I ask it, I always love to, to figure out where all of my people can find you on the interwebs. Where's the best place to find all things about what you're doing and how God is, is using you in your ministry. Where do we, yeah, where do uh, we go from here to follow it's, you? Uh, can you still hear me? Oh, there we go. Yeah. It just froze up for just for a second. So say, say that last part one more time. Sorry, Tony. Sure. Um, I know that my people are going to want to follow you on the interwebs. Where's the best place to find you online? So MikeKinneyStory.com, uh, that's my social handle as well. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, you can you can find me there. And uh, we've got an email list that's kind of growing organically. So, uh, you know, yeah, please, please join the list and you can hear about what God's doing with the book. Love it. Love it. Okay, last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, except I get to ask you to go back and give yourself one piece of advice um, in the season that I I get to name. So I want to take you back to the morning before um, the accident, right? That that morning you wake up, you're a, a young 17, your world's in front of you, you have no idea what's about to happen. If you could pull a chair up in front of that young man, uh, look him in the eyes, and uh, what's the one thing that you're going to tell him? Oh man, I, I I could almost get emotional just uh, picturing that that scene. Uh, I think that I would tell him that it's real. Jesus is real. Mm. You know. Uh, buckle up, you know, and, 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 and get ready. Uh, it's going to be quite the ride, but, uh, never give up, never stop believing. Uh, God's got a great plan for your life. Mm. Mm. So good. Mike, thank you so much for your generosity of time today. Thank you for your story. Uh, I'll be praying for your book. I know that my my reclamation family will be praying for your book as well. And uh, man, let's let's stay connected as we both continue to lean into what God has for us next. Awesome, thanks, Tony. I really appreciate you having me on. I told you guys what an incredible conversation with Mike. I love his heart. I love the way God has wired him to do these amazing things. I know, like many of you, you heard this story and. I was like, wow, it's just crazy to see what God will do. I think God wants to do something crazy in your story too. So sometimes you just have to be willing to surrender it to him. Do me a favor, go follow Mike on the interwebs, hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with a friend. So thankful to be here with each and every one of you. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.